Employment Hour, right back at it, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. A ton of stuff to get through the uh, the show today. How never to be fired for cause. These are important tips. We will uh, we'll get to those in just a bit. First, though, pal, a uh, week that was, what is happening with you? Uh, you know, again, it's uh, it's been a busy, busy week. I think I say that every week, but it's, it's very busy, and, and mostly because people hear this show and, and hear our TV shows or watch our TV shows, and they understand that, no, I have rights. I have entitlement, so let's talk about that. And people call me after, they email me after, and they want to talk about their situation. So that makes it busy for me, and I love that. It's, it's a privilege to do that. So if you're wondering about your workplace rights, if you have questions about your workplace problem, maybe something happened that made you upset or or concerned about the security of your job, you're concerned that they're going to push you out of there. Well, let's talk about that. Let's not wait on that. Reach out, call, email. And let's figure out how do we fix that problem because you know what? Good news is in most cases, almost every case, there's a solution. There's a way to make it better. So let me give you a couple situations, a couple examples, what I call the week there was. Uh, things that came across my desk over the past seven days or so. Uh, I spoke with a gentleman who uh, recently got a new manager, and you know, for the first few months, everything was fine with this new manager, but they, they got into a bit of a, of a dispute uh, over a, a matter, and after that time, the manager started treating this person very badly, essentially ignored him. If he saw him in the hallway, he would turn, turn around and walk the other way, wouldn't give him more than a nod, wouldn't say hi to him, nothing. And, and it made it very uncomfortable. It made this person realize that he's not wanted there. Uh, and he did the exact right thing. After uh, uh, seeing that there's no other solution, he went and he spoke with the, the owner of the company. He's a small company, spoke with the owner and told him, here's what's happening. Uh, you know, I'm very uncomfortable. Hopefully you can, you can help uh, resolve this issue. Well, the owner said, well, you know what? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to meet with him and you guys are going to figure it out yourselves. Uh, so the owner of the company set up a meeting. The two met, went very badly. The manager didn't say anything. It was quite rude. And things got worse because now the manager is upset that uh, the of owner course. was spoken to. Uh, and he called me literally at his wit's end asking, what do I do now? Well, the problem here for the employer was it was given an opportunity to fix the problem and really didn't do anything. Putting the two people that don't get along in a room and saying, your yeah, guys' problem, you're passing the buck, you're Big not time. doing anything, you're yeah. not reminding people of their obligations, of policies, you're not investigating, you're not fixing the problem. You can't do that, okay? So this company now is faced with a situation where there's uh, you know mistreatment, there's a poison work environment, arguably it's harassment, and they didn't do anything about it. So what does that mean? That means that this person now is in a constructive dismissal situation. He's potentially now able to treat this as a termination, even though he's not let go. He could treat this as a termination and leave with his full severance because of this poison work environment, because he gave his employer an opportunity opportunity to fix the problem, and they didn't. They, they, dropped the, 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 they dropped it. They dropped that opportunity. They passed the buck, as you said, and that's wrong. So if you're ever in that situation, you should give your employer the opportunity to fix the problem because most employers are going to do a much better job. If your employer doesn't do anything, refuses, doesn't know what to do, doesn't care, I want you to reach out to me as soon as possible. This may be a constructive dismissal. one 821 5900 is one way to reach out. Very simple. Help at employmenthour.com as well. What else you got going on? I uh, spoke with a uh, person who had uh, recently accepted a, a very uh, senior role uh, with his company as a manager. He was supposed to have a team uh, with him, except guess what? On his first day of employment, 
Uh, he's being told, we've made a restructuring and we have a different role for you. It's no longer a manager- management role. So uh, it's a very different role. Pay is the same, but it's no longer a managerial position. Well, this person left a secure job uh, because they promised them he's going to be in a managerial position. He said, okay, this is a, a good career move for me. So if you're telling me that I'm going to be a manager, this is going to be a more senior position. Well, in that case, I'll leave my other job and come, except now it's no longer a, a senior position. Well, wait a second. That is also a constructive dismissal. It's the old bait and switch. If the company promises you a job, hires you under certain conditions, and then changes the deal, they're not allowed to do that. He's owed severance. He can leave immediately with severance. Now, because he was recruited from another position, he gets enhanced severance. They recognize his service. They'll have to recognize his past service. So he can be owed very substantial severance, even though he's only worked there for a short period of time. So remember, the company can't offer you a job and then change the terms. And if you are recruited from another position, you're going to be owed enhanced severance. Severancepaycalculator.com, by the way, if you ever want to know what that severance amount should be, very simple to use, free of charge. There's an employer mode, no obligation, but there is a contact button at the bottom of it as well. So as we go into a break, have a look and we'll uh, we'll get right back at it here. Lots more Employment Hour is on the way right here on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com is the way to reach out and uh, contact Lior, member of the team, Anytime you wish, and if you need some help figuring out what your severance should be, that is severancepaycalculator.com as well. How never to be fired for cause. This, this is good to know. This yeah. is good to know, right? It is good to know because uh, termination for cause is the, is the capital punishment, right? It's the, the death penalty of the employment relationship. And not only does that mean you're going to be let go without severance, it's going to be very difficult if you're let go for cause to find another job. Because right. the first question they're going to ask you when you go to a job interview is, why aren't you with the previous company? And if you tell them they let me go for cause, are they going to say thanks, but no thanks, please walk, walk away. So being terminated for cause is a bad thing. And the good news is most employers get it wrong and, and they don't terminate uh, for cause the way they should. Uh, but we want to talk about how to avoid that, how at least how to significantly reduce the chances of ever being let go for cause. It's an important topic. And hopefully by following some of these steps, you can be in a situation where you'll never have to even think about it. Well, let's start off by, you know, I guess, rewinding way back to poor it even came a job. And that is be a smart negotiator when it comes to negotiating that job offer exactly. in the first place, right? You're absolutely right. You want to agree to terms that, that make sense, because if, if you agree to terms that uh, don't make sense, you're going to make it much easier for the company to let you go. So in terms of expectations, uh, in terms of compensation, all those things you have to be comfortable with. If you don't, later on when there's problems, you may be uh, able to, uh, to, to make it easier for the company to let you go for cause. And also, negotiate terms. In some cases, employers may uh, put in the contract terms that make it very easy to terminate you for cause for almost every little thing. Now, that may or may not be enforceable, but you want to pay attention to that. You don't want to agree to something that I can be let go for cause if I'm off on a disability for two weeks. I've seen that. So you have to be very smart with your employment agreements. Almost anything in the employment field mm-hmm. starts with the employment agreement. We always want to look at that first. So you want to be smart in in negotiating. You want to take a look to make sure that there's nothing in it that makes it easier for the company to let you go for cause. And frankly, just like with everything else, less is more when it comes to employment agreements. I would much rather have 
a situation where there's no employment agreement at all. You start on a handshake that's better for you, and that also makes it more difficult for the company to let you go for cause. You know, in that answer, that description, you said we and I, and I think that's key before anybody signs that offer. You, you can look at it yourself. You can try to navigate it, but it's always wise to say, you know what, I want to have this looked at and, and let you look at it because there's stuff in there that I'm not going to be able to decipher, nor is anybody else who's just looking at a job offer, right? I spend a lot of my time uh, reviewing employment agreements, uh, helping negotiate employment agreements, right. revising employment agreements. In fact, uh, just earlier today, I did that with, with a gentleman who received an, uh, a job offer. So important to do that, especially if you're in a more senior role when there's a lot at stake there. You know, it's a career type of a role. It's not, you know, a part-time position. You want to get advice. You want to get it right because once you sign that paper, if that paper is not what it should be, it's going to be with you for many, many years. So let's get it right right at the beginning. How to avoid being fired for cause. And this goes for basically everything in life. Document, document, document. Write it all down. Very, very important. And if uh, termination for cause, remember, is when a company lets you go for misconduct because you did something very bad. So if you think that they're setting you up for that, document things. If someone is saying something to you and they're trying to uh, set you up, whatever it is, document what happens, document what was said, the date, the time, who was involved, have a journal or a diary, somewhere where you keep records of this because if you don't, you're going to be playing into the company's hands if that's what they're trying to do. Ultimately, uh, a, a termination for cause sometimes comes to a he said, she said type of a situation. Don't do that. Avoid that. You're never going to be able to termin- be terminated for cause legally if you have proof that you didn't do what they said you did, that your performance was not what they said it was. You have to document things as soon as you're getting a bad vibe, as soon as you think, wait a second, I think something's wrong here. I think they have ulterior motives, the company. I think they're setting me up. Uh, I wish I I had a record of what actually is happening. Well, if you wish you had a record, make it. Make that record. Create it yourself. It's very easy to do, and if you do that, my gosh, it's going to be that much more difficult to ever even consider letting you go for cause. Another uh, good preemptive trip, uh, or at least tip, to avoid being fired for cause, that is don't just accept uh, unfair discipline, right? Yeah, that, that uh, kind of flows from what we talked about before. Uh, a company may often discipline you, and they here's a warning, uh, maybe a suspension, what have you. Well, if it's legitimate, fine. But if it's not, or if you don't agree with it completely, you have to say so. Very important. Because if you don't say so, if, you, if you're silent about it, you're essentially saying, I agree and I accept. Don't agree and accept unless it, it, it's, it's what you want to do. So if your company disciplines you, provides you a warning, I want you to write back and say, here's why I don't, dis- why I, I don't agree. Here's why what you said is not accurate. Here's what you need to know, employer. Once you put your position in writing on the record and it's reasonable and it's intelligent, it's, ma- it's impossible to, to say, well, wait a second, you did something wrong. The company won't be able to rely on it, arguably. That makes it that much more difficult to be let go for cause. On the other hand, if you're silent, if the, you're disciplined and you don't say anything about it, later on when the company lets you go for cause, they'll be able to say, well, yeah, of course we can let you go for cause. We had that warning or those two warnings. You accepted those, so clearly you know you were doing something bad. And now we can let you go for cause. Don't do that. Always respond. Look after yourself and your interest. Otherwise, you may find yourself on the receiving end of a termination for cause. People feel scared of the rebuttal sometimes. They don't want to, they don't want to talk back, right? They don't want to stand up to it. Well, you know, if the, I agree. And no one would. I don't think I would. But if the alternative is to be terminated for cause, right. I think putting your position makes sense. Now, I'm not suggesting you be confrontational or aggressive and, you know, how dare you and, you know, this is unacceptable. No. 
you want to be professional. You want to say, okay, employer, you said that I did A, B, and C, but here's what actually happened you should know about. This happened, that happened, and because of that, uh, uh, that that's not accurate. You do it that way, you do it professionally, it's not going to hurt your relationship with your employer, but what it is going to do is it gonna make, it's going to make it that much more difficult to be terminated for cause in a legal way. Lots more of this on the way. How to avoid being let go for cause. Uh, more talking points coming up. Some emails as well. Stick around. It is help at employmenthour.com. And the number anytime, 1-855-821-5900. See Employment Hour on Global News Radio. Time to reach out anytime. Employment Hour, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't checked it out, the uh, easiest and quickest way before you even make the phone call to find out how much severance you should be owed. In any event, whether you've just been let go or you think it might be in your your future, severancepaycalculator.com. In the meantime, talking about how never to be fired for cause, the next one, Lior, is uh, don't just accept uh, performance improvement plans. Yeah, a, a performance improvement plan oftentimes is something that a company uses as a, as a first step when they're letting you go for cause or at least thinking about letting you go for cause. So it's, it's important to remember that if you're being put on a performance improvement plan, there's usually going to be a follow-up to that. There's usually going to be a situation where the company says, okay, did you meet those goals? Did you not? Should we keep you on? Should we not? So if you agree that your performance is not good, fine. But if, if you're, you don't agree, then you need to treat the performance improvement plan as a warning letter. And you have to address it like you would with a warning letter, as I said before the break. So if you're being put on a performance improvement plan, fine. But I want you, again, to put your position in writing, why you don't agree with it, why it's not accurate. If the things they're asking you to do are not achievable, say so. That's so important. Why agree to targets that you'll never be able to achieve and then when you don't achieve them, they'll say, hey, you didn't achieve right. the targets. Yeah. We're going to let you go for cause. No. If they say, well, as part of the performance improvement plan, you have to meet the following milestones or thresholds. If that's not possible, if that's not achievable, you have to say so, say so in writing and explain why. Don't just say, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Say, I have concerns about meeting those targets for the following reasons. If you do that, it's going to be so much more difficult. It's always difficult, by the way, but it's going to be that much more difficult to even consider letting you go for cause. So you don't ignore performance improvement plans. You respond to them. You explain why it's reasonable or why it's not. And certainly, if there's any targets ever put before you that you don't believe you'll be able to meet for a legitimate reason, you have to say so. Next one on the list is speak to HR if you are improperly treated. That's if, well, I guess if you have an HR department or otherwise, you yeah, got to say something. Yeah, a boss, someone. Right, right. Speak to someone within the company if you're being treated improperly. Because if you're being treated improperly, HR needs to know about that. But by putting that on the record, the company's not going to want to terminate you for cause because then it's going to look like you were fired because you filed a complaint because you, you complained about improper treatment, right? And no one's going to do that. So if you're being mistreated, if you think, wait a second, I have this boss who's not treating me properly, maybe he's setting me up to let me go for cause, say that to HR, okay? Or the boss or the owner, whoever is the right person in your company. <laughs> Tell them about the concerns that you have. Tell them about why you think it's improper. Uh, and then put that on their plate to deal with it. Because guess what? They have to. They have to investigate. They have to take measures to fix that problem. And by and, and irrespective, even if ultimately they decide that they can't corroborate what you said, that just by you talking to them, 
it's going to make it that much more difficult to let you go for cause. Again, they're not going to want to be seen to fire someone that raised a harassment issue in the workplace. That's illegal. That could get them in trouble. So always uh, stand up for your rights and don't be afraid to speak with HR, the boss, the owner, the supervisor, if you're being mistreated in the workplace. If you have a medical uh, issue, bring that up to, to your boss, to your employer as well, to avoid being... Uh let go for cause for performance, right? Yeah. So if you're suffering from a condition that impacts your performance, your boss probably doesn't know that. Your boss may say, wait a second, John's performance is not good anymore. He's not doing a good job. So we're going to start disciplining him. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard that many times, John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. But uh, You've talked to my wife, apparently. Yeah, I've talked okay, to your good, wife, but that's time. a different issue. <laughs> Uh, but if you're not doing a good job and there's a reason for it, a medical reason, you know, maybe there's even a family reason, okay? Maybe there's some, some family reasons and issues that are impacting you. Tell your employer. Make sure that they understand that the reason you may not be doing as good a job as always is because of the fact that there's something impacting it. This is not you slacking off. This is not you not caring. There's a reason because if they know that there's a reason, again, they're not going to be able to let you go for cause family reasons, medical reasons, uh, whatever it is, injury, something that impacts your job, your ability to do your job, you have to tell your employer about it. Sometimes you may have to give a doctor's note, but by doing that, you're putting essentially a layer of protection around you, which again is going to make it almost impossible for the company to let you go for cause. We are talking about the ways to avoid being let go for cause, and there's, there's uh, well, there's, there's so many more. Remember that off-duty conduct and things you say on social media, this one's massive, especially now, can get you in a whole heap of trouble. So now it comes down to what your behavior is and what you shouldn't do. So you may think that whatever you do on your time is no one's business, it's just your business, or what you say on social media is just your business, and well, clearly that cannot get me in trouble in the workplace. Wrong. Your off-duty conduct can impact your job, especially if it's something that uh, makes you look bad to your employer, if it's something that could make your employer look bad to others. What you say on social media can get back to your employer. So if you're going to do something that you don't want your employer to know about, you have to be very careful because your employer can rely on those things to let you go for cause. So a good advice to not be let go for cause is, don't do stupid things, right? Don't do things that can get you in trouble, even if it's off-duty. Be smart. Treat off-duty conduct, especially in the age of internet and everyone having a smartphone. You can be put on YouTube in 10 seconds. Be smart. Don't let that happen because it could impact your job, Johnny. We'll get to this one quickly before we break and the last one for this topic, and that is if you're fired for cause, it's not too late to undo it. That's it. And remember, it's always difficult to be terminated for cause. And in most cases, when the company says, no, no, we're firing you for cause, we're letting you go for cause, that oftentimes is illegal. It's not proper because it's so difficult to terminate for cause. So even if you've been let go supposedly for cause, you may still be owed severance. We may still be able to undo it. As part of negotiating with the company, we can get them to issue a new record of employment that confirms they're not letting you go for cause, even negotiate a severance letter. And number one, that means you get compens compensated, mm -hmm. but also it means that when you do go to a job interview, you can say, I wasn't let go for cause. I was let go without cause, okay? It had nothing to do with me. And that makes it easier to find another position. So just because you've been let go for cause does not mean you don't have rights. You have significant rights. I want you at that point, very important, get on the phone, call me, email me. We need to talk. Medical leaves and what we call frustration of contract. That is all ahead here on the Employment Hour. I want to reach out as we uh, go to a break. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. Lots more on the way. Stick around right here on Global News Radio.
Employment Hour to reach out. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. Uh, a couple different things we want to talk about, Lior. Medical leaves and frustration of contract. Got to define that one first, yeah, right? Yeah, well, you know, medical leaves, obviously, you know, people know if you're off work for medical reasons, it's a medical leave. You can call it a disability leave. You can call it a sick leave. We're talking about situations when you're off work for very uh, for varied amount of time because of medical reasons. You have rights to do that. We'll talk about uh, what that happens. Frustration of contract usually is a situation where you've been off for so long and there's really no likelihood of uh, getting better that now the employment agreement is at an end. So you're not fired, you're not quitting, but just by operation of law, the, the employment comes to an end because you've been off for so long and, and you're not getting better. We'll talk about what that means and what your rights are because guess what? Even in a frustration of contract situation, you may still be owed severance. And uh, in that regard, lots to go here. If you uh, want to reach out anytime, you've you've missed something or don't quite understand, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at employmenthour.com. When uh, can an employee go on a medical leave? So that's very simple. You can go on a medical leave if you can't work and if you have a doctor that's willing to corroborate that. So a medical leave, again, we call it a disability leave, can last, can last as long as it needs to last, whether it's a day, a week, a month, a year, or longer. If you're unable to work, if you're sick, you're injured, whether it's mental health issues or you have a physical ailment, uh, whether it's something that's new or it's something you've been dealing with your entire life, if you cannot work, your doctor says you cannot work, you have a right to go on a medical leave. It doesn't matter what your employer wants, what policies your employer has. If you are sick, you can go off. You're, you may need to provide something to your employer from your doctor. But beyond that, once you're sick, your job is to get better. Your job is to follow your doctor's advice to get better, and your employer has to allow you to take that time off. What if you're in the situation where you have neither short-term or long-term disability? And so short-term and long-term disability comes down to whether or not you're going to get paid while you're off. You can be off for as long as you need to, even if there's no short-term or long-term disability plan. It just means there's not going to be an insurance policy to pay you, but you'll still be off and you're still an employee and the company still has to take you back when you're ready to come back to work. Now, if your employer does have a disability plan, short-term, long-term disability, you can and you should apply to it as soon as you're uh, unable to work. And if you ever have a problem with that disability insurer, if they uh, reject you or if they approve you and then they cut you off before you're ready to come back to work, let's talk about that. In many cases, we can resolve that very easily. But for our purposes today, whether or not there's a disability plan, uh, it doesn't matter. You're allowed to be off. Your employer can't prevent you. It doesn't matter what sick day policy the company has. You can be off for medical reason as long as you need to be. Is there a length of time that an employee can be off on a medical leave? As long as you need to be. And, and in some situations, it could be years. As long as there's a prospect of coming back to work, then you can be off as long as you need to. And some serious conditions, some serious injuries may require lengthy recovery. And the company can't say, oh, it has to be a week or a month or a year. Or be No, it doesn't work that way. There's no specific time as long as you're working to get better, as long as you provide updates to your employer, you can be off as long as you need to be. You know, your, uh, your partner, Savannah, in the corner, we do that show here as well. Um, a question always comes up, when, when can someone do if they're denied payment by that LTD insurer? Because it happens all the time, right? It happens all the time. It happens a lot more than it should. Either it happens when uh, the company or the insurance company decides you're no longer disabled enough or after two years or, or beyond that. There's many ways and many reasons insurance companies cut people off disability plan. And 
it, they shouldn't. As long as your doctor is saying you cannot work, as long as you feel and your doctor agrees that you cannot work, your insurance company shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, and, and they're going to give you a chance to appeal that decision, which oh. is silly. Yeah. You're appealing to exactly the same people that already have decided that you shouldn't be off. So the good news is that, well, the bad news is this happens often, but the good news is it's easily resolved. So call me. At uh, my, my firm, we have a number of lawyers dealing with this exclusively, including Savannah Markin. So let's talk about that. Don't just take that from the insurance company. Uh, I can't tell you how easy it is to actually resolve. Can the insurance company and or the employer put pressure on you? And if, if, if you're feeling that, what do you do? Well, think about it. The insurance company is going to put pressure on you to go back to work because they want to stop paying For you. sure. The employer is going to put pressure on you to go back to work because they want you back at work. They don't want to be uh, uh, operating without you. But none of that is proper. You shouldn't be put under any pressure because that's not going to help your condition. That's not going to make you healthier. No, they shouldn't put any pressure on you. Uh, it's up to your doctor to decide when you can come back to work. Remember, you can come back to work on modified duties. It's not an all or nothing situation. Right. It's not that, well, I, I can't work 100% so I'm not coming back. If you're able to and your doctor agrees, you can go back on modified hours, modified duties. Company has to accommodate that. They don't have a choice. But if you're being put pressure either by your insurance company that says you have to go back to work or by your employer that's threatening you, if you don't come back to work, well, we don't have a job for you or we'll consider you to have resigned, you have to call me. You don't ignore that, okay? Let me get them off your back because they're not allowed to put that pressure on you. And quite frankly, it's it's your job as an employee to try to mitigate, try to get back to work, right? Absolutely. Most people will, but... Most people will, but sometimes it takes longer than we want. Yeah. And some people, uh, b- uh, based on the condition they have, their age and whatnot, it may take them longer. As long as you're getting care, as long as you're working on it, the company can't fire you for it, and they certainly can't threaten you or put any pressure on you. When your employee or that insurance company want you to go see their doctor, we'll deal that when we come back. We're all getting uh, educated here on being off on disability. one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com. Lots more to go. Stick around right here on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com. Talking about being on medical leaves. Um, can the employer require an employee to see an independent doctor outside their own current medical team? There is absolutely no uh, legal mechanism that allows the company to require you to see an independent doctor, to see their own hired doctor. No. At the end of the day, your doctor has final word. Your family doctor, your specialist, whoever you're, you're getting treatment from. Now, if the company says that whatever the doctor said, whatever your doctor said is not clear, we're still not sure what that means, they can ask questions. Mm-hmm. Okay? They can ask for clarification. They can ask what kind of accommodation you need. They can ask questions about your uh, prognosis. That's fine. But they can't say, well, we don't like what your doctor says, so we want you to see another doctor. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and, and if the company asks you to do that, if they demand you to do that, in almost every case, you can say no, thank you. If you have questions from my doctor, please bring them on. I'll take them to my doctor. But that's it. Have your doctor write a clear note. Yes, you can work. No, you can't work. Here's the accommodation that you may need. Or maybe here's how long the doctor expects for you to be off work. As long as your doctor's information is clear, that should be the end of it. Now, the, the insurer is a little bit different. They can ask you to see an independent medical examiner. Yeah? Exactly. So under yeah. the insurance policies, under most disability policies, there are terms there that allow the company to, or the, the insurance company, I should say, to have you see another doctor for the purpose of deciding uh, you know, whether you should continue to be on benefits. And that is appropriate. Okay, The insurance company, not your employer, your insurance company, can ask you to see another doctor. 
and uh, that's fine. You should do that. If, oftentimes, if you refuse to do that, that may give the, comp- the insurance company reason to cut you off. So you don't want to do that. So you can see that doctor. But again, what's important is just because you saw a doctor that was hired by the insurance company. Who's being paid who's by the insurance company. Who's being paid by the insurance company. <laughs> right. And as a result, the insurance company now says, oh, this other doctor is telling us yeah. that you're not really that disabled, that you can go back to work. That does not mean that that's right. Not at all. Oftentimes, we can easily, easily discredit that diagnosis and have the insurance company rely on your doctor. But should you see a doctor? Yes. Does that mean that the insurance company can cut you off? Absolutely not. You know, you mentioned it before, and that is modified duties and accommodations. So what happens if uh, you need that and the employer might be a little stiff about it, might not be complying? How do you navigate those waters? I I get those calls all the time. Uh, An employee is, is better enough to go back to work, but you know what? They need some help. Maybe they need for a period of time some modified uh, hours. They can't necessarily work full-time right away. They'll, they'll gradually increase their hours. Or they maybe need some modified duties. I can't do everything of my old job. I can only do a portion of it. I need you to help me out. That's what we call, uh, or that's where the concept of a duty to accommodate comes into play. Your employer has a legal obligation to accommodate you. That means providing changes to hours, to duties, whatever it is your doctor says to allow you to come back to work. And if they refuse, if they don't try hard enough, if they say, oh, this is too much of a pain, that is a breach of our human rights laws. That's a failure to accommodate. And that's something that the law takes very, very, very seriously. So uh, if you're dealing with your employer, make sure that they know what accommodation you need. And if they refuse, unless, of course, you believe that it's legitimate, they've looked, they've tried, there's just nothing or no way to accommodate you, fine. But if there is, or you think they just don't want to do that, call me. That could be a human rights violation. That could be a constructive dismissal. That could be something that the law can easily deal with because, again, your employer has a very, very strict duty to provide that accommodation. What happens when your employer decides to make the wonderful move of letting you go while you're on a medical leave? Well, then that employer is going to have to pay. Uh, Your employer cannot let you go because you're on a medical leave. Let's Let's put it that way. Let's be very clear. Uh, If they let you go because you're on a medical leave, because, well, we think it's too hard for us to allow you to be off, you've been off for too long, Uh, we're concerned that you're going to keep going on medical leaves, that is illegal. That's a human rights violation. Your employer can never do that. You can never be let go because you have a disability, because you're on a long medical leave. So not only will they have to pay severance, of course, they may have to pay human rights damages. A company should never do that. Now, if you're let go while you're on medical leave, but the reason has nothing to do with you being on a medical leave, well, that's different. If the department shut down, they closed down the office, they relocated their operations, they can let you go at that point. And because they're not letting you go uh, as a result of your medical condition, that is no longer a human rights violation, but you still get severance. And, And the key is to remember is even if you're off on a medical leave and you're let go, you are still owed severance as if you were at work based on your compensation as it was before you went off, uh, off uh, on a leave. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com for that as well. Uh, and you don't avoid, if you're an employer, you don't avoid paying severance just because someone is sick. What if they've been off a very, very long time and there's, according to their medical professionals, probably zero chance of them coming back. It's like a frustration of contract situation. Yeah. Um, is there still severance and how does that work? So that is the frustration of contract that we touched on right at the beginning of this uh, segment. In some situations, when you've been off for a very long period of time and there's really no likelihood of coming back to work, then either the employer or the employee can say, okay, enough. This is a frustration of contract. Our relationship has ended 
And as a result of that, I'm no longer an employee, but severance still has to be paid. Now, you're not in that situation, the frustration of contract situation, you're not going to get your full severance. You're only going to get your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, which is less, but it could still be in some situations as much as eight months pay. So that could still be substantial. So even in a case where you're clearly never going back, you will never be able to work there again, you may be owed severance and you, the employee, can also force that issue. So if that happens, if you know you're, you're not going to be able to uh, continue working or if the company is saying frustration of contract, very, very, very important to get on the phone and call or email. Does your length of time you've been off on medical leave count towards uh, like seniority, for instance? Absolutely does. Yeah. Any time you spend on a leave counts towards your length of employment. Even if you've been off for years, those years count towards your seniority, which means when it's time to pay you severance, you're owed severance based on that time as well. So it's you could have worked for two years, been off on a disability leave for three years. Now you're a five-year employee. Right. If you're let go, you get paid severance as a five-year employee. Lots of emails to get through. We'll get to that portion of the show. Help at employmenthour.com. If you'd like to contribute, that'd be great. Uh, the phone number, one 821 5900 Employment Hour on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900. That is number to reach out to Lior and the rest of his team. You also have the email option of help at employmenthour.com. In that regard, uh, Chuck, you're up first, says, uh, I was let go from my job and was told that it was uh, for financial reasons. The company just posted their fiscal results and they had an excellent year. What can I do? You know, I, got, I get variations of this question uh, very, very often company let me go. They gave me a reason and I find out later that it was nonsense, that it wasn't honest, uh, that there's uh, probably a different reason. And that's not nice. It's not right, but it's not illegal. The company does not have to, believe it or not, give you an honest reason as to why they're letting you go. They should do that. It's good practice. It's good HR. it's, It's just good human nature to do that. But if they don't, they're still allowed to do that as long as they pay you proper severance. So, Remember, when you let go, it it really is a question of compensation. It's a question of severance, not so much why you were let go in most cases. So, yeah, I, I, I understand Chuck's concern. I would be concerned and upset as well because I'm let go and clearly there's a different reason that they're not telling me. But ultimately, Chuck, this comes down to how much compensation, how much severance you're owed. Call me, go to severancepaycalculator.com to find out how much you're owed. Without even knowing anything about Chuck's situation, I will bet that he was offered a lot less than what he's actually owed because, again, most people are. It, it's it's trying to get people over that buck of water in the face and move on from there to something they can actually do something about, which is how much money they end up with uh, at the end of it, right? Yeah, I, I start most of my consultations with people that have been let go by telling them, you know, unfortunately, can't do anything about the reason you were let go. Uh, they're allowed to let you go, but they have to pay you severance. And yeah. for many people, that's difficult to understand, and I understand that. Uh, but it comes down to compensation, it comes down to severance if you're let go. Uh, whether the company is right or wrong, whether they have a good excuse or a bad excuse, it comes down to severance. Help at employmenthour.com. Andrea, I'm next, says I was off work for eight months because of cancer treatment. And when I contacted my employer about coming back to work, I was told that the only job available is an entry-level position with a catch says 20% pay cut. Wow. What can I do? That's huge. Well, the, the first question I have is, is that legitimate? Or is the company not wanting to take her back? Is really, uh, they really don't have another position? Did they really look? Did they try? Did they uh, uh, actually make efforts to find that, uh, her a proper role? Or are they just uh, uh, not wanting her back or taking the easy way by trying to say, well, whatever, just fit her in anywhere? Because the company has to make efforts to take you back to the same role. 
if uh, legitimately, if legitimately there's no role for her, well, this certainly would still be a constructive dismissal. Even if there's a legitimate reason, the company still uh, is changing the terms of her employment, they're reducing her pay, they're giving her a less senior position, she doesn't have to accept it. Even though she was the one that was off on a medical leave, you can still treat that as a constructive dismissal and get severance. So for everyone out there, when you're coming back from a disability leave, if the company changes your job, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal. Absolutely. Get your full severance. Uh, again, go back to severancepaycalculator.com to see how much that's going to be. Now, I mean, a 20% pay cut's kind of, uh, that's obvious. Who, who would return to that? They'd obviously fight it. But what if fictitiously, different scenario, Andrea's situation, she's coming back, they're going to change her job, keep the same pay, but it's, it's a less status position. What happens if she decides to give it a try? Well, first of all, if, if she can show that this is still a demotion, right. uh, even though the salary may be the same, that could still be a constructive dismissal. If it's a less prestigious position, right. less senior, it's not going to be as good for her future career opportunities, that could still be a constructive dismissal. And yeah, she can try it out for a while, not long, a few weeks usually, to see how she feels about it, how she likes it, kind of take it for a spin, as you say. Uh, but after a few weeks, it's time to make a decision. Do you stay in that position and that becomes your new role? Or do you say, no, I'm going to leave. I'm going to treat that as a constructive dismissal and get my severance. Does she have to let the employer know, say, hey, look, I'm just, I'm just trying this out. This isn't for sure. I just want to just do it and let them know. I, I would definitely let the company yeah. know. I think there's no downside, only upside. Tell the company that you have concerns about this new role. You don't know if you're, you're, you're able to do it or you want to do it. You will try it for a little while to see how it goes and then you'll let them know. And then after a few weeks, make that decision. Uh, but remember, if you're going to continue beyond a few weeks, the law is going to consider you to have accepted that role, and then you're stuck in it. Help at employmenthour.com. That is email address. Rick says, my employer offered me a promotion, which I rejected because it would be a lot more work with almost the same pay. I'm now concerned that they are going to let me go. Can they let me go because I refused that promotion? Doesn't sound like a great promotion. Yeah. We have good news, John. You're going to do a lot more work, but you're going to get paid the same. Sign me up. Yeah, where do you sign up for that, right? Well, not, doesn't sound like a very favorable promotion. And I'm not surprised that he didn't necessarily want to do it. But can he be let go for that? Absolutely, he can. It goes back to what I said right at the beginning of the segment, that you can be let go for any reason. But, of course, he's going to have to get paid severance. There's no way the company can say to him, oh, you refuse this other job, so that's cause. Or you refuse, you refuse this other job, so that's a resignation. Nonsense. No way. They can decide to say, you know what? We don't think you're a team player, so we're going to let you go. Yeah. We'll pay you a full severance. They can do that. Uh, so don't worry about uh, cause. Don't worry about resignation. If you are let go, you'll be owed your full severance. Dennis here writes in, says he uh, works about 500 hours a year of overtime. He's concerned that he's about to lose his job. Does that count when calculating severance? Terrific question. All components of compensation count when it comes to severance. So your, your salary, your bonus, your benefits, your car allowance, etc. And now, if you usually work overtime and, and there's a history of that, then absolutely, your average overtime will be calculated as part of your severance. Some people, uh, that could be a substantial portion of their compensation. Mm -hmm. They could be making a salary of 40,000 and get another 15,000 in overtime. Well, that's total of 55. And that's what counts when it comes to severance. We look at an average. Probably we look at, a, depending on length of your employment, two or three year average. And your hours of overtime, your overtime pay will count for that. Just like any average bonuses will count for that. Company oftentimes may not include that, and that's wrong. That's a wrongful dismissal. If they just include your salary, they don't include everything else, that's illegal. So it's not just how many weeks or months pay you're going to be getting. It's also what's going to be included in it. 
And your bonus, sometimes you've had it for several years, they might let you go just, oh, I don't know, two weeks before they hand out the bonuses and try to stiff you for it, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. No. If you've earned the bonus, they have to pay you the bonus, even if they let you go before the bonus is paid. Not only do you get the bonus that you've earned, you'll also get your bonus for the severance period. So if they have to pay you a year's severance, you get your average bonus for the next nice. year. So they can't stiff you. They can't avoid paying you what they owe you. And if they do, you know what to do by now. Gosh, after all these years, I hope you do. You call, your email, and I'll deal with it. Good for another week, my friend. You want to reach out? Simple. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. And always, 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 before you make a move, go to severancepaycalculator.com as well. Till next time, the Employment Hour on Global News Radio.